0: This is the multi-sport podcast for triathletes, stew athletes sporty riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Support is... <laughs> Support
1: I'm just going to carry on.
0: Supported <laughs> by nopins.com and also safefortracing.co.uk for all your biking needs.
1: Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster.
0: Boom. <laughs> Welcome to the 141st JBST.com Smartcast, now in its 10th year of broadcasting. I am Joe Beer. You are indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I was just checking. Nice to see you, Joe. And I'm joined once again... in between interviews, you keep you keep popping in and out, and we've obviously done an interview previously, which is on the same evening as this one, um, which you've uh, already listened to, you lovely uh, podcast listeners. But this time I'm joined with Martin Crocker. Good evening. Good evening. Um, Syfork.co.uk's man of the moment.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah.
0: M- most of the moment, Most yes. of the moment. For those that listened uh, to... Crystal Spearman's uh, interview, who had done uh, 243 miles in the 12-hour uh, RTTC National Championship. In the background, you could sometimes hear a little bit of uh, just fettling with fettling. the bike. But, a bit it. of fettling with his, uh, with his new bike in the background. Lovely colour. like the colour. On those rims, put some tyres. <laughs> they go wonderful. It <laughs> yeah. goes so much better. That's, that's the job for tomorrow. As kids, we used to take the tyres off the back wheel because you could whip, you could whip the, the wheel around really quickly on tarmac. Um, didn't do the rim any good, but I tell you what, it's a great one, that. Top tip, that. Top top tip. Top tip. Ride without tyres? Ride without tyres, yes. So, iTunes rankings, thank you very, very much, because searching the word sportif or Ironman or triathlon or time trial, and we pop up first, second, third, something there. So the last podcast, um, whether it's just people are getting back into their podcast, but just seems to have uh, elevated its its sort of uh, position within uh, iTunes. You may be listening through uh, FeedBurner or you get it um, via another means, but if you get it through a different means. Let us know, because I just assume most people get it through uh, the normal iTunes sort of podcast feed, but there may be other ways. This is it. There's lots of podcast uh, people out there that that drag in content and people go to them and look for content and we may well be there. So we had um, an iTunes uh, review that uh, I know you've been uh, avidly reading all about. Yes. Tell Uh, us all about it, Martin. This is from uh,
1: someone called GAKO1986, so that's G-A-K-K-O. Very informative and evidence-based. I would thoroughly recommend this pod to anybody. Any budding, sorry. But I like the word pod. I like the way the word cast has been taught.
0: Carry on with the review. Um,
1: I would thoroughly recommend this pod to any budding endurance athletes. Joe and Crocker work really hard to answer questions by using simple language based on recent recent academic research. I just wish Joe was willing to disclose more info about all the top secret performance
0: weapons that he gets to know well in advance. Uh, Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you. Top performance things that I know about right now. Oh, blimey. It's, it's always that thing that somebody tells you, and if you let the cat out of the bag, nobody would ever tell you anything again. So what do I know about that I can hint about that doesn't get me into trouble? Ooh. Um, well, we, we get to discuss... Things off air, don't we? Yeah. Effectively,
1: yeah. And, and and some of the stuff, even even now, Joe still surprises me. Um, when normally Joe will come in and go, "Oh, have you heard so and so?" And he go, "Yeah, yeah, we just heard about that kind of the other." Day. Well, why didn't you tell me?
0: You know, well, you probably knew already. Um, I what do I know? I know there is um, there's some nutritional things that are being uh, released that build on research, which uh, when it comes out, I'll say. I told you about that in 141st podcast. I know of some bike technologies. There's a couple of bike technologies, actually, that will be um, released that haven't been at Eurobike or Interbike, but they are being released. I know through, actually, companies that I'm either um, supported by or um, within their, uh, within their um, higher level, should we say, that there's definitely not... A lack of innovation going on but I think the difficult thing is always to you know not to feather your own nest pretending, oh look what we're doing there's always things that are coming out there's great things from from products that I don't directly align with but they're interesting and they're often not just brought out on a whim most things that come out because people are savvy these days they don't get the wool pulled over their eyes. They want things that have got some kind of evidence or some kind of trickle down um, from, uh, you know, elite sport or top level research. And that's exciting because it's nice at the end of a season for some of these things to be sort of trickled out to clients and said, yes, but next year there's X, Y and Z, which you've still got to do everything That you've done at present but there's a few things that we can sometimes make things a bit different lots of people like their gadgets so they can buy another gadget you know that might might or should help them i don't just want them to buy gadgets when people say oh i've brought a new you know insert electronics name here yeah bought a new one of them yeah, but the old one was fine. Yeah, but I really like such and such. Yeah, but that's not necessarily actually going to be that much use. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah, it didn't give you it, it can motivate you for 10 minutes, then you get bored of it and say, oh, it's got more functions than I need. And I, I like things that can be justified. And there's always, we spoke about a certain wheel brand earlier and Uber light and uh, amazing, but it's the relevance of that marginal gain. And maybe sometimes people just like them or they like to, um, they like to think that their training can be slightly improved I always like those little things because I don't want to think we hit the limit where somebody says, oh, we can't do anything more now. That's it. No, um, it... I, I know of several things to do with um, not directly stuff that I'm involved with, but I know through people that you just you hear through the industry and people tell you and you keep it stum. And then when it comes out, you go, yeah, I'm glad that's come out because it, it was talked about. And there's certainly two things that I really do hope next year do come to fruition because they'll just be great ways people going
1: oh i never thought of that that's that's genius and i mean from a from a bike shop point of view or or, or from bike point of views most of the bikes now look very very similar so you're kind of looking at the bikes now kind of going it's almost like they've hit that almost that crescendo of of everybody's using the same kind of wind tunnels the same programs the shapes tube shapes are very very similar the way the bike looks is very very similar integrated front ends things like that you know everything is beginning from the bike side to look very very similar mm. so there's going to be there has got to be another branch of of cycling well, and, and, whether it be like you said nutrition yeah. uh, whether it be clothing yeah. um helmets And
0: steel. Steel's going through, there's like this, you know, new found kind of technology through the steel and how that can, okay, it would be different to carbon, but steel isn't dead. Never even through the, you know, the, uh, the Stone Age and the Iron Age and the Bronze Age. Yeah, but we're still using stone and iron, and bronze. Yeah. So there's never that those things stop. It's just you have these higher points of usage and then they reach their almost their technological limit. They're really good and stuff. And then something will come back on stream and say, steel, look at what it does better. These things weren't, weren't, you know, weren't the optimal place to try and use carbon in all these areas. And that, oh, people then say, oh, I love steel because it's got this feel. Or, yeah. or you can do yeah. this or it's got great lugs or whatever it is about it. Um, it's nice to think that... Uh, there are still people that are passionate about product development and about improving, you know, human physiology and improving. Sometimes just perhaps injury prevention or keeping people safer through all the, you know, amazing lights and amazing. Uh, reflective clothing and all those things that that's that's almost as good as oh wow have you seen this new aero bike yes aren't they all looking the same yeah yeah yeah. i think it's quite it's quite good not just more more products are better sometimes you just think boy boy, why why does somebody bother that's you know it's it's not it's not great innovation it's just an innovation so um well in a few months when it comes to fruition, um, certainly with three of those things, I'll say, that's what I couldn't tell you, but now I can tell you the backdrop to what I knew yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Question, sportive question, Hello. from Gareth Williams. Uh, and it's about sportives, would you believe? That's the sportive question for yeah. you. I took part in l'étape du Tour this year. So for those that aren't into sportives, so that's where you do a stage of the Tour de France that the... Uh, that the pros do, typically they do it within about a week. um, And typically the amateurs do it on a rest day when the tour is having a rest day. Um, They don't do it the day before, day after. They do it um, a few days either side of it. But you get to do it with closed roads, um, with uh, exactly the same stage as they do. Um, But you don't have your own team car, funny enough. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people doing it. So um, I know this chap, for a fact, um, this was his first sort of um, exploits into one of these big European sportives that make most UK sportives look, you know, phenomenal, uh, well, phenomenally different, should we say. Yeah. And he said, it was a brilliant experience, but during the biggest climb of the day, temperatures were in the mid-30s. Um, as a Brit, this was a little bit testing. What's the best way to prepare for these kinds of extremes without clocking up the air miles? And it's tricky because you can pretty much guarantee that, you know, the attack, early July, you're going to get hot days. Yeah. You can get days, I've done it where you get, you know, the odd bit of rain. You can get, you know, drizzly days, but it's still phenomenal conditions, probably either side of it. So you can almost be thinking, well, not only how do you do, prepare for the event but when you're traveling in very hot environments how do you stay hydrated and stuff and I think you've got to do some kind of hot preparation and I think it is down to you know the person going in the the hot gym on a on a bike or in their shed on a bike and just getting used to high temperatures because most times temperature is something that we can experience in the UK from time to time and it catches people out but the moment you go to your European sportives, um, your Ironmans, your big trail runs. There's often a point where it's the temperature that gets to people.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know guys that have been tra- that have trained for Ironman. You know, with, to go into Kona, uh, places like that, and they've actually been in their bedrooms on turbo trainers doing their training sessions when the weather's miserable, with the heating on full ball in that room, closed doors, uh, most of the clothes that they own on. Just going through their routine of, of of their their training, their cycling, seeing how they can how they handle raised core temperatures. Um, it's not ideal, really, from that from that point of view. Kind of training like that, because it's well, like Joe Joe would probably say, it takes quite a bit out of you. Mm. That that kind of heat, um, but just even that kind of form of climatization just just getting really hot, quite uncomfortable hot. But yeah. you don't necessarily have to train hard in that, but just the temperature, mm. just to make it a bit more of a um, make it a bit more of a challenge for you. But it, it is really difficult um, to kind of. Rep- you know, replicate or recreate that kind of, that kind of heat, um, without having to go, like you said, clocking up the air miles with, with everything. So.
0: And funny enough, Aled Smith, who was on the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice uh, one or two podcasts ago, um, he sent me um, a text today and, and I haven't put two and two together now, but he said, um, um, I'm having some testing tonight, uh, with, um, steve redgraves old physiologist who's going to look at my sweat rate at high temperature race pace etc and then he sent me back and said you know 750 mils per hour 30 degrees 215 watts you know elevated heart rate but it'll drop down with two weeks of acclimatization so he goes out to kona for two weeks yes so it acclimatizes but he's still been doing the old sauna in the uk because we're now into uh, mid-september and it has been getting colder we haven't had Hugely high temperatures with which people say oh great. This is good Kona temperatures. It's not. So there's always that sense that you've got to think what are the resources available. He's got that. He's also got two weeks to to be in that location. Most people that do sporties or Ironmans, they're probably there for two to four days beforehand if they're lucky. And that's not long enough to acclimatize. So you've got to think, do you you go into the sauna and just get used to hot conditions? Do you sit, say, on your turbo with clothing on? I think you want air moving i think you
1: want moving air that's
0: because that helps you still want to make the sweat happen but at the same time you do want to be not trying to say i'll teach my body not to take liquid no you'll teach it to absorb liquid and teach it to possibly absorb liquid at a bit warmer than you would ideally like because it may well be the temperatures of the drinks you've been handed up aren't super cold Whereas if you do it indoors and say, oh, I'll have my, all my um, you know bottles pre-cooled and therefore it'll be great, they'll, be, they'll stay cool or stick them in a the cool bag, think that might not be what nah, you get. They, yeah, you can't so, always get that. So I think there is a way to do it, Gareth, but it takes a bit of planning that on a day when you might go out and ride, you actually have to stay in. You have to stay in, it could be in the conservatory, it could be in the garage, it could be you go to the 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 gym and you say they've got a spin class or I do two of them back to back because it's really hot and just sit and sweat. You don't have to combine super high intensity. Um, You can pay, there are various places. And I saw a a tweet from two athletes that were doing some Kona heat acclimation at a university and they were doing it, I think for Kona. So I think you can go to that extent. If you're part of a research study and it's close to home, do it. But for Mm. most people, it's quite an expense and you might not have the full technologies if you just stick a heater on in your shed. But I know people do it and have very good effects from it. And if you can measure what you're doing in terms of the humidity and the temperature, you, you're not just not just saying, "Oh, well, it was hot." You're actually saying how hot it was. You're still keeping to wattage, as Alib was doing with his um, with his testing tonight. Um, because I got that at uh, 1935, so it was just over an hour ago. You know, he's doing 215 watts he's at 30 degrees. Just getting an idea of how does he sweat? What's the composition of that sweat? And that's quite that's quite advanced. But you can simply just make sure you don't you don't think about oh, it probably won't be that hot. It will be that hot in yeah. a lot of cases yeah. and a lot of instances, middle of summer when many of these events are. There's so much greater temperature increases in the sort of central European areas than there is in the UK. We get the odd hot day, but it's it catches people out. And therefore, I think training for the heat should be what you do, because the benefit of training in those hot indoor environments is actually you get a better training effect. So it's worthwhile doing, even if you don't think you're going to be training and racing in the heat. Sometimes you will be racing in the heat. And also, I think with with
1: your acclimatization, you can do, you know. All right, you you may not have access to things like university test labs, but your Garmin will always. If you've got a garment or a head unit that's similar to it, most of them have got temperature gauges on. Yes, yeah. So you get a rough idea of how you were riding. Like, I mean, I did a a quick turbo session yesterday. Oh, did you know? Um, well, we're back into training, are we? Straight in. And um, you know, in the garage, you know, my garage is just a normal. Side of the house Garage You know Nothing special about it
0: um, oh, The Bentley's pretty special Come on The yeah, Bentley well, I is I special
1: I, I don't like having it In the garage While I'm riding oh, right. So just in case Just in case you fall yeah, right. So yeah. I have to park it outside With the uh, with the Lamborghini But um, But it will give you A rough idea Of temperature And it was 24 and a bit Degrees in my is garage Is that
0: 24 20?
1: Tw- 20 24 24 24 And uh, a bit In the garage Last night And that's No particular effort To, to kind mm. of Keep it warm. Uh, That was just with the door closed um, about six o'clock in the evening. So Mm. you can quite easily have a fan going, but then you could also have a heater if you needed to. Yeah,
0: and you could get it up over 30 degrees without drying.
1: Oh, easy, easy. And the only thing that, you know, I probably... Ask you to kind of adhere to as well, is making sure that you do your recovery, you drink in, mm. make sure you stay on top of your fluids, because otherwise the, the training session actually is quite hard, even if you're not going yeah, as, yeah. as hard as you would, would normally. Well, so. you
0: get that effect that people get the, uh, the afternoon after an event that's been a bit hot or a bit, high intensity in the afternoon oh god yeah i had a, bit of a headache and i felt oh so tired they do that same race or same scenario in cooler conditions and they don't notice it so i think it is it's, it's making sure you create that that stimulus to stress the body under heat load but then you do try and bring your body back down give it time to you know to to cool off Give your also give your body time for your appetite to come back. Don't sort of while you're boiling hot think you're going to eat because you just go. Oh, I just can't face that. Great, have cool liquids. See when you're ready to eat normal food. But also acknowledge that the sum of that session is greater than it looks. So if the next day you do think I might not do anything today because yesterday took a lot of me, fine if, if it 's really important for you to get used to the heat, that session is worth something else being pushed by the wayside. I think also it 's quite nice actually to have sessions where you can keep your body temperature up because that 's a good thing it 's not who trains in the coldest conditions, not unless you 're doing um, ID to bike and other you know bizarrely cold challenges most people don 't it 's that they they need to sometimes train in warm conditions to actually realize that. They function quite well, not in extremely hot conditions, just warm conditions. Actually, that's the human body. It's optimum. Get very hot. And there's a point where certainly as, um, as Gareth was saying, when you're into the mid-30s, most people are just in survival mode. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it's how well do you um, cope with getting hot? Have you been there before? Or is this the first time in the middle of a climb in France or in Italy, wherever you're doing your sportive to certainly go, blimey, I don't think I can hack this um so more questions about sportives because yeah. i think there, there are lots of differences in the fact that they are so different between uh local to us you know exmoor beast that you know could be absolutely horrendous uh, mid-october uh normally is normally is <laughs> to somebody going to um you know one of the european ones where you know mid-30s is is quite um routine and maybe going on for, you know, seven, eight hours. So it's a different sort of scenario. But the
1: same with, you know, Alid going out to Kona and, and Gareth there just doing his sportives. You know, the similarities are, are exactly the same, you know, the process that you would go
0: through. And talking, so. of, talking of Kona, re- reach down into that bag. There, trip sock. Look at that. I won't ask you to describe it, but look, it's a Kona baby trip sock.
1: So it's not, it's not for, for, for children. No, it's not for
0: children, no. It's a, it, you'll be able to, you'll be able to see them, uh, see them Kona. It's, it's a, what people would normally know as a calf guard. So it's a, you know, a, just below the knee to just above the ankle, a lycra sock that you pull on with little raised edges down two sides and lovely Hawaiian flowers put on there. But, uh, these will be in Kona, and Ali will be using them, as will a few other people. I'll put a picture of this on the podcast, actually on this part of the um, podcast, so you can have a look and also uh, tweet about it when um, when this goes out. But you're on about, earlier, our uh, reviewer saying, um, you know, when when you see things, this is one of those things. This is being used by time trialists in the UK, um by very fast and and podium people um crystal who was in the last episode she uses these people use them and say oh wow yeah they make a difference i've measured it they make a difference yeah lo and behold uh, so have we made a difference and it's one of those little things but often there's not really a big revolution in training nutrition technology mm. it's the little bits that count and so if you put them on and you get six watts less leg drag Great. Six watts less. That means six watts goes into forward motion or for the same speed, you're now saving energy. So I'll put that picture up of the Kona baby. But While we were talking about Kona, I just reminded me. Well done. Reminded me. Uh, right. Another question. Or oh, do you want to you, you were you were you were angling a piece of paper at me then. No, 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 no. Not oh, at OK. All. So I, it was more to do with. Uh, do you want me to read that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, can I read this one? You go for your life. Okay, Um, so this actually, and I didn't read this beforehand, this is from Chris Bird, but when it says um, on the form that you can get to through coachjobeer.com, he's clicked on it, and where it says sports involved, he says Sportifs duathlon, half and full marathons. So he spreads himself across uh, running, biking, and. uh, Running and biking. And running and biking. (laughs) Well done, Martin, you saved me there. I was in a a quandary then. so he says, hi, I've been listening to podcasts for the last couple of months and have found them very useful and educational. I'd like your advice, if possible, with regard to the training program over the next six weeks. I'm doing a duathlon 20th of September. So, um, <laughs> oops. Yeah. Well, this will be in hindsight, but we can't do these. Um, often they come in and we can't respond to them straight away. So we'll do this one. And obviously, Chris, this, uh, this may well... Um, Uh, come out uh, just as you're about to do the event, but it can still be useful. Anyway, he's doing one that's 15K, 66K, then 10K. So fairly feisty, Um, which I've been training reasonably well and hard for over the last few months. I complete the full distance in training two weeks out. I spend the last two weeks leading up to the race tapering. Um, To let you know my performance level, my times was followed uh, an hour two for the first 15K run, 228 for the 66K bike, and then the final 10K took 54 minutes. My dilemma is um, I have made a recent decision to enter a local marathon um, a month later on the 25th of October. That's four weeks between the duathlon and the marathon. What would you suggest I do during these four weeks? I assume that typical people will be tapering during this period, whereas obviously I would be looking to do some mileage. I have reasonably good uh, running base and can comfortably run 140 for a half. I've just n- never run more than this distance. I'm confident I'll be able to get around the full marathon, but the competitive side of me wants to run a decent time, perhaps you know, between 3.45 and four hours. Is this realistic? I'd appreciate advice. Um, so firstly, um, we apologise that we couldn't work out... Um, exactly uh, what you were doing i don't know when we got this one but i'm sure i haven't seen this i'm sure i haven't put this aside for for uh, six weeks because i put the number 140 at the top of it so we were planning to do this one anyway chris um your duathlon's coming up and that amount of you know 25k running split in a duathlon is going to leave the legs uh damaged but it's 25k it's not 45k And you often find people can't run quite so fast in the second run of a duathlon, which actually can save some damage more within those two runs. What type of terrain is it? Because if it's really hilly terrain, you do a lot of downhill running. The damage could be significant and you've got four weeks. So my first thing would be you've got 25 K of running or let's call it roughly uh, 15 miles. Um, I'd say a complete week off running i was gonna say all right absolutely we, we put it this half way: half a day per mile
1: if we if we split his four weeks yeah in into a into a training block so if even if would you split it into eight week four week blocks well
0: that's the best way to do it because yeah. the first seven days wants to be no running if you've just done that duathlon um you're doing a duathlon and You say later on in the question um you know but the competitive side of me so If there's a competitive side, you're not just on about getting around it. You've done the race distance um, two weeks out. So, you you know, you're already setting up. You're doing the distance. You've got splits. You're going for it in the duathlon as well. So you've got to look at recovery from that. You still run 25K. Okay, it's split, but that doesn't make it that you haven't run 25K. It's just you've put a 66K bike ride in the middle, which I'd say is probably plonks you into that last 10K, much like somebody lands at 18 miles in a... um, you know in in a marathon you've still got enough fatigue that that last ten k run is great practice for the marathon in the duathlon you need to feed and hopefully you've got your feeding right just before that fifteen k run i'd say in that fifteen k run because you if you run that too hard, you might find that you actually do lower um or worse splits because you can't do a two twenty eight now you've run too fast in the first run, so get your feeding right on the duathlon and treat the last 10K a bit like what the um, marathon will be, then you have a complete week off as the first week. Uh, Deep water running is a big favourite of mine for people that need to do some running fitness-wise but not do any impact. And although you don't do swimming, actually to get used to deep water running allows you to recover from the marathons, the halves, the duathlons. Sportives, you don't need it because you're not ideally... Got any impact with the floor um that's what (laughs) that's what tires do they stop the impact but then you've got really you know a middle two weeks now you've done 25ks worth of running in the duathlon you say you can run a 140 over 20k so i think you just need a 30k run maybe somewhere between 10 and 15 days out that you just you know you plan to do a long run you can't suddenly become a marathoner in that four weeks You've you've run out of time, but you can still utilise what you've done. You've got 25k run, then you want to get that 30k run as one long run done, probably almost smack bang between the two. It's been um, a week back into running and then at the end of that week, maybe even into the third week, you say, I'm going to do my long run this week, 30k. You only need a few runs to get back into running. You don't need to go, oh, every week I've got to do another long run. No, you've just done 25K of competitive running. You only need 30K to sort of practice that time on your feet. You don't want to run a marathon to see whether you can run a marathon on 25th of October. But then you've got the final week. We say, right, keep off the feet a bit, do some biking because you do sportive. So you can do you can do some biking and actually just let your body recover in that last week and be ready. If you've run 30K and you've fed and you've paced and you've done it, okay, that only gets you to the point where we're still saying, well, good luck over the next uh, eight miles, but how much more can you do? You know, if you try and run a 21, it might be too far, 18 is still longer than what you would have done in the duathlon, but it's just long enough to prepare you. And as you're going up to this distance for the first time from the half, because you say, you know, um, uh, I've just never run more than this distance. you never run more than 13. Um, well, you will have in the duathlon because you'll be running 25. And don't ignore the fact that those two put together still yeah. mean you're on your feet for it's 25K. Lit, yeah. It's not like, oh, it's a different run. No, it's the same thing. Elite runners run maybe three three lots of 10K in a day, they run 30K, 35K a day, but they don't say, oh, it doesn't count because they were split. You can only spend so long on your feet before you start actually getting worse. So I wouldn't come off of the duathlon and say, well, I better get my mileage up now because I've got the marathon. If you if you look at it, you've only got so many runs to do. It's better to practice your pacing so you don't run. You know, if you can comfortably run 140, then you might find you aim for... um perhaps with a 3.45 in mind, uh, you aim to run the first half in, say, one fifty. okay? If you do two of those, that still gives you a 3.40, but if you run a one fifty, that's 10 minutes better than what you say you can comfortably run a half. So that's a buffer of maybe 40 seconds a mile, which feels like you're running slow, but you're going into a totally new sphere. And if you run too fast in the early bit, it's the mechanical, damage to your legs that means that you slow down towards the end if you're feeding in that first half marathon as well which is essential to marathons look at now the elites grabbing bottles grabbing gels they don't ignore it they realize every time you get a gel or a significant amount of carbs you can basically add on a mile's worth of fuel quite easily so that's why people hit the wall is they don't take that into account they just ignore feeding they ignore pacing If he runs a 150, he's then got maybe a 150 or 155 for the second half. That brings him in at 345. But you have to know what that pace is like. And you don't aim for that 18-miler at that pace. 18-miler is just 18 miles done at cruise pace, not watching how fast you're going. But you will need a few runs to just get used to, what is 145 pace like? Okay, that's too quick. I need to be running at 150 pace. Yeah. So run at 150, including the minor stops. And if you've got the technology, the the Garmin's and the other types of uh, run um, systems like the Polar and so forth, if you can use that to keep you on pace, you'll think, blimey. This marathon pace is a bit slower, well yeah you 're going into the first time over that distance you 're better to be a diesel that gets it right that uh, you know can, can either work out in the marathon what fuel is available and whether you can use it or works out how many gels they can get or's got somebody on the course that passes you up assuming you 're allowed that passes you up a drink at the appropriate point. but I think it 's down to pacing on the day, feeding on the day and getting that one week off of no running before roughly a week to 10 days later you do that one 30 mile so 30k run so with
1: reference to this what what tips can we give chris um as in recovery wise so straight after the duathlon and to help him out with his uh Mm. with his with his run training also trying to avoid injury and an illness i suppose yeah i mean
0: recovery wise from the duathlon you've got to get something back into your system quickly something that you like that's your you know your your milkshakes your recovery drinks. some something liquid and something just to get into the system if it ends up being um wet and cold on the duathlon you want to wrap up well afterwards compression um socks and uh and uh kind of quad guards and stuff like that can help you in the event to recover. Hence why I see lots of people running in, um, particularly in duathlon, where you can be in uh, long uh, socks as modelled by me here. Mark, you see? Beautiful. Look at that, Martini. CEP, nice compression socks. But good for your legs. Your legs, when you stand up, don't feel as as sort of uh, as heavy. And if you're doing a duathlon, you could perhaps have socks on the whole way. I don't think in September it's going to be too hot. I know it looks bizarre for some people that people are riding bikes with really long socks, but if you can help damage, if you can keep the body warm, and if each of these things put together, you don't run for a week, you um, perhaps get a massage, not within a day or two, or perhaps five, six days later, you get a massage. You also don't aim to do a lot of biking that week, even though you're coming off of a duathlon. You still give your body a few days. If you've raced hard, you don't go out the next day and say, oh, I'm back on training again. You think your body hasn't even got over it yet and you're pushing it. Um, And be prepared to just see how your body feels. If you're not going to run for a week and you reduce your mileage for a week, for that week after the duathlon you 're going to feel like it 's a bit of a different week, but then you 've just done one of your key goals that 's taking you something in the region of about four and a half hours and it 's got twenty five k's worth of running so I think the you know the the amount of time it 's going to take to recover could surprise you but if you get everything right and you nutritionally and if you like compression wise and sleep wise you you aim for that week after the duathlon to be all about recovery not about how you've got your um you know mileage or training back up on on track it's going to take a while to get over
1: so would we say with chris really that the four weeks that he has the first week's going to be recovery anyway yes so three weeks is not the time to be worrying about I need to get some distance under my belt. No, because the last week
0: is tapering and is is carbo loading from the Wednesday and has got maybe two or three shortish runs in the week. So he's got that middle two weeks, get back into running in the middle most weekend, run that 30K, which it hopefully isn't scary because two weeks after that, you're going to be running 40K. So it's how you apply yourself to it. And long runs don't have to be all the time to be effective. If you've run 25K and it's, been hard work but effective that's still a four and a half hour duathlon which still means that when you do that last 10k that lasts roughly an hour that's still going beyond the amount of time that he thinks the marathon is going to take so the duathlon's quite good because it's a longer period of time competing than the marathon so the marathon may feel short if he takes four and a half or so in the duathlon, but he does 3.45 in the marathon. Yes, it's only one muscle group in the marathon, and that can be um, uh, fatal because it's the same muscle group for the whole 26 miles. But the fact that it's less time means he's got the endurance basis and also the feeding basis, and the fact that he still had to run 10K from roughly 3.5 hours into the duathlon up to 4.5 hours is good because he doesn't imagine himself to be running that late, for 10K in the marathon, yes, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's, uh, it's always difficult to, to not have a plan that follows exacts. But I think when you know and think about first week is recovery, second week's getting into the running, somewhere in the middle, you've got to get that long uh, 30K run. The last week is recovery. The bit after the 30K long run, can't do too much for a few days because you've just done a long run. Just accept that it may be different to how you normally do your training. Mm. But this is a jump. Firstly, beyond 21K, you're going into the duathlon doing 25. You're then going to do 30 as a training session, which takes you again another um, 5K further down. You'll leave the last 10K for the event, but you're still only done up to this point. 20k so all of those changes mean you are going into completely different places with your running therefore you can't just do the normal stuff you normally do and then add this on you've got to be very differently applying yourself for that um one month because it's a very different one month it's not just oh i did another part run and therefore on the monday i went and did a swim this is completely different you're going to time duration in your duathlon and also probably um probably levels of expenditure of energy in the race will be beyond what you do in training because you're chasing people and you're being chased. So you tend to push yourself. So it might take less than what these have taken. Um, uh, and you said, you know, um, you said you have completed the full distance in training, which They may be really leisurely and you can lop off 25 minutes by the fact that you race it. But even so, it's still a long time and it's the running and potentially how hard that terrain is that you have to run the 25K. That means that 20th of September will determine, of all the things we've said, what happens on that day will determine how accurate you can be following what we've done or whether you have to almost like say Brian I, I, I couldn't run for 10 days my legs were that wrecked and if you know you're definitely not running for seven days you don't then feel after three days of that uh week after the draft like, Oh, I'll get back into running now because you know I don't want to lose something muscle damage is massive if you can bike and ideally go and do some deep water running um deep water running people hate it but I tell you what it's so good at stopping injuries and keeping people thinking that they're active in their running most ridiculous thing I've
1: seen in a swimming pool, but, uh, but I it works. Actually, I will tell you what, you you need to try it because it it's you look at it and go, oh, it looks ridiculous. But once you've had a kind of go on it, you get out of the pool, think I am shattered. I'm but glad you, you
0: said that word, but yeah,
1: but you haven't you haven't got that muscle, that deep muscle ache that you get, you know, kind of like a day later, yeah. where you're like, oh yeah, I can feel the impact, or two days later, where you can feel the impact from it. But
0: yeah, that was a good question. It was. Um, what were you? What were you? um what piece of paper, should I say, were you flashing at me earlier? Uh,
1: no, it was, um, it was, I guess this was a tweet, was it, Joe, from, from Craig Bunyan?
0: That would be a tweet, yes. Um,
1: and basically this is just a kind of a, a follow-up on on what we did, um, uh, or we answered a question that, that's right. that he sent that's right. to us. That's so, right. yeah. um, and it was, so, catching up on a couple of podcasts, and I hear my name. To answer the question, the background, so the question we asked is, you know, what Sporting background did he yeah. come from, and, and I think Craig's was everything was heart rate based. He had mm. he had he had kind of exceeded his expectations, That's got right. faster and faster, and was asking what the next step on. I think was was the next one. So he said. Uh, um, so, yeah, catching up on a couple of podcasts and I hear my name. Uh, to answer your question of background, I entered a super sprint a few years ago and came second novice. Jumped then straight up to iron distance. And, and did, <laughs> I love that. It leapt straight in <laughs> on both feet. Yeah, well done. Um, 12 hours and 32 minutes. Solid. And, and now because of family and workload, um, I've, I've dropped back to sprints. Um, now properly competing for an age group between 30 and 39 uh, and overall podiums. I first started heart rate training a couple of years ago after pummeling myself every training session and inevitably picking up injuries. A few months, uh, in a few months, it became obvious I was getting faster. I do now have a coach on board, and once again, heart rate-based and fast improvements keep coming. Uh, he says, sure, one day uh, they'll slow, but for now, things are moving quickly. Uh, just as I finish my season and move into winter training, and the, that was the end, end of, of age, yeah, <laughs> and that's it, and that's so, it yeah, so and and like you said, quickly, you know things are moving quickly um as I finish my season and moving to winter training so it it goes to show with that even I think what Craig's trying to say is even you know he's got a good he's got good genes, you know as a good sportsman, mm. but I think the, the 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 underlying thing is is he's taken on a bit of information with reference to heart rate, so. Mm. I know things have leapt on from there with things that help you out, et cetera, et cetera, blood profile, empower, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fits on bikes, you know, all that together combines with a, a nice package. But like he was saying, when he first started with heart rate, he then noticed yeah, big improvements. Yeah, yeah. And it's your job as an athlete, I think, and, and and maybe, you know, kind of Joe's job as a as a coach through his persistent preaching, um, not preaching. I won't. I won't use that word. But with your with your knowledge of heart rate, um, for for people's excuse now as athletes to turn around and go, yeah, but I don't really get it. Mm. You know, it's it's almost your job to get it. It's yeah, almost your job yeah. to to find a way of explaining it or teaching it to yourself or or yeah. someone explaining it to you to go right. This is why
0: yeah.
1: you do it in this particular way. Yeah. Or you know, your training is all or nothing. You mm. know, you go out, you smash yourself to pieces like like Craig mentioned. And then typical athletes will turn around and go, it's too easy. If it's too easy, it can't be doing me any good, yeah. you know. But that's when you go back to your heart rate and someone goes, right, this zone, this is why you're doing it. Mm. This is your, you know, the level that you're at. Mm. And then just stick with it. You know, the, the fear, the fear is hideous when well, you just go, i oh, too
0: slow. The weird thing is, is that... You know, he's used heart rate and it's kept him in in control. Um, I had a conversation with somebody I haven't actually spoken to. I reckon for blimey, it's probably well, it's got to be twenty years. Get out, Joe! You're not twenty. <laughs> and it was somebody that I trained with. I'm not going to I'm not going to drop names. I'm not going to say what system they followed, etc. But what was interesting was this, this person's very keen. This person's got good kit. This person followed a. a uh, a plan provided to him by a a, a system that's out there. Um, and I know this system is flawed by the way in which it approaches training because it, it it doesn't look at what we know to be the correct way to train. It kind of, it, it pushes, not pushes time crunched, it pushes the wrong levels of, of how to train. And interestingly, he said, yeah, I did this and I did this for this many weeks and I followed this and this, didn't work. I went, okay, that's good because why it didn't work was X Y Z, and they went ah, get you now. See why that is. But I followed it, and I presumed because of this big name um, scenario that it must work. And I think that the tools are there, and there's there's definitely a sense that you know people want to get better, and sometimes they even be encouraged by a plan to get better. But it's got to have some fundamental. Um, just, just theories behind it that actually stay put and don't get blown apart by time, as that doesn't work. And Craig has obviously done it. He's done his heart rate training, and he's, you know, done um, twelve and a half hours, and you know that's a, that's a solid Ironman. He's he's uh, you know second in his um, in his in his novice try, and there comes a point where you realise that some things are as easy as getting on with it and not trying to break the rules that exist. And there are different theories of training, but there's definitely some that don't stack up when you look at the the research and the actual evidence of how do elites train or what is such and such, what is the major theory within training? Um, and and I just I just thought the amazing thing about the conversation we had was that probably when I knew this person 20 years ago, there was a lot of things that we did then that were... A bit make it up as you go along, but we discussed about certain supplements and certain technologies. And even then, there was stuff doing then that I know even now people don't know about. And I was like, blimey, that's, that's amazing. We were doing that then. Most people don't know about that. I know elites that do. I know that they do this and this. And yet... You just made the- that sound really dodgy. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah. But just you know, standard supplements yeah, and yeah. use. You know, first use of glucose polymers and other things. But... The amazing thing is that along the way, I've kind of tried to keep on top of it and think I know how this thing all bolts together. He's done various things and it's been you know quite quite successful, but has also gone down one of these routes of training theory that doesn't actually stack up. And not because I don't think I believe in it, but because the evidence that other people bring to the table doesn't stack up. That, yeah. it, that it works um, and there's variances in physiology but there's certainly some some golden rules which along the way what we were doing then which followed what I would see as the majority of rules of training um, worked and along the way in this popular theme or this popular process of training becoming you know, visible and, and you can buy into it with this certain plan or this certain way to train but it didn't work and that's interesting because it shows that we're still learning about the theory of training, but there are some things that haven't changed. And there are some things that are really staple parts of training. Yeah. And um, and he was excited. He was like, brilliant, great. What do I what do I do now? And I was like, well, you know, you don't stop doing the hard work bits when it matters. We can think about this um, and you know about this, is this? Yeah, 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 I've seen that and I know that and I do this. And it's kind of encouraging to think that some of the things even like the trip socks. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that and I know such and such uses it and blah 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 blah. And he's a time trialist. And when I um used to sort of know and train with him, he was a triathlete. But it's really interesting that you I've just assumed that everyone's been following along this route of well you've read what I did about such and such. You don't know about this. And I don't think it's that clear cut. I think it's quite amazing how much information there is that if you don't have the filter ability to work out what does and doesn't work, you can almost get bamboozled by everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and you lose your way.
1: It is, mm. it is one of those <laughs> things, you do lose your way because you try and take on board, um, you know, you, every, everybody from, um, you know, from the youngsters of the sport to, to the to the older guys, the senior guys, the sport, you're always taking, taking a bit of information, trying to absorb it and thinking, well, should I do it that way? Should I, you know, and if you do find something that works for you, then, then so be it, but don't be afraid to try something else. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if you constantly head down, I read it, I read a quote and I can't remember, I can't remember what the quote was. And it's, if you've always done what,
0: no, no. If you do what you have always done, you'll get what you've always got. What you've got what you've you'll yeah, get what that's it. Always got.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it is the case, you know, and sometimes you, you kinda of start the winter off going, Oh, I'm trying something different and then you kind of, you cringe a little bit and go, Oh, I don't know whether it's gonna be right. Yeah. And then there's the only right way is to try it mm. and to get it wrong. Mm. You know, and if it is wrong, you can go back to doing it or yeah. you can try something but you'll always get something out of it that I think will improve you. Yeah, I saw overall, something today. So. There
0: was a there was a quote about, you know um You don't, uh, you don't get anything. You don't get anything in wrong. this game for two in the bed. No, <laughs> it's bullseye. No. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. um There's that you know kids. Kids learn really fast rate right? because they're they're not too afraid unless there's um you know something that they're afraid of uh like you know I don't know deep water or juggling fire whatever but you know the, for the most of the time they they make mistakes. Because if they're on a trampoline going up and down, they don't mind throwing themselves head over heels to see if they'll land or not. Whereas an adult would go probably can't make that. Now there are people that are into it that do it, but most adults learn at a slower rate because they're not prepared to take the risk. Yes, because they can almost see what the outcome might be, mm-hmm. and yet the risk of training sometimes is that you you don't you either don't stay to the staple things that you know work because you're sure that there's another way to find more, or what you can do is you can almost outthink yourself with just being consistent with what you know for that part of whatever you're doing in your phases you kind of know works for you and you've heard something else get thrown in and it's really difficult for people i think to know is that just noise is that a great idea or should i just leave it alone and of course if you don't experiment you might not know but you've got to watch that you don't almost have every year you try something different that doesn't work and then you might think or oh, does it work but you don't realize your your limit and it, and you think it doesn't work because you haven't made big big gains maybe those gains aren't there so yeah so you no, know, not it you doesn't mean, work yeah. it's like nothing will do what you want it to it's asking too much there's a level of um training adaptation that i see with people where you know if they've got a certain amount because they do a bit of training and suddenly up, you're like that's pretty good. And I'm one particular guy, literally logged. It was, I'd have to look back on his diary, but it was literally logged about 20 hours of getting back into training. And already his speeds were like, blimey, you know. And uh, then I checked back on his notes and went, oh, yeah, yeah, he got that level, at that, that, and that in a duathlon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, okay. Because otherwise I was thinking these numbers must be made up. How is he getting that improvement? And he was a, you know, um, a natural athlete. He was responding well to training, but also he wasn't pushing it. And therefore, he was kind of getting back what his body just said. Okay, you just do just do a bit of exercise, and I'll see how good I can become. And that's a hard thing for sometimes people to say. No, watch me now. I'm really going to get serious. And you're like, yeah, but you can only force so much training load through yeah. the body. And as you get older, you can definitely force too much training load through the body and go backwards on something that ten years earlier you went forward. And I kind of thinking about it now. You you look at
1: you look at different training methods, maybe equipment that you you've kind of bought and you know for for the time being you go oh yeah yeah that was really good you know you kind of i spent this two grand on a set of wheels or and then i kind of look back and go yeah but then was i going faster because my training was better (laughs) or was i going faster because the kit was better yeah you know and i know it all helps but at the end of the day i still maintain the best thing that i have ever bought for training is a power meter and i know not everybody can afford that but you know heart rate monitors are 40 50 quid yeah. You know, for a very, very basic one that'll that'll give you what you need. Mm. And that bit of knowledge that you get from that bit of equipment, mm. once you've ginned
0: yourself up, just kind of transforms it. My first heart rate monitor was thirty nine ninety nine and it was one that clipped to your earlobe? I kid you not. And it had a wire down to your wrist. I mean <laughs> Serious, <laughs> serious. No, I'm not you Because yeah, it could it could look at the blood going through the earlobe and work out your heart rate. The same as you can still get them now on your finger that look through the yeah. um, Thing. And yeah, and you clipped it to your ear, and you could sit there and you could see your um, your heart rate doing, during rest. Did, but it also... just, did it just slide beads up and down? <laughs> no, but <laughs> but the thing was was that you know that was cutting edge, and it was still um, it was still a way of getting into something that up to then people would stop try and take the heart rate manually. Of course, it's immediately dropping so you get the wrong numbers. But it wasn't only that, it was trying to then interpret those numbers about heart rate. And even now, you you assume that everyone that's training in inverted commas is using heart rate, has some kind of idea of not just training zones, but what they've got to do with them and when. Yes. You know, yes. there's, there's various training zones. You're not just meant to bounce through everyone every session and that's training. It's It's knowing... What am I trying to do with this session? Therefore, where's the best zone to be for how long doing what? Is it on no food? Is it on as much food as I can in two hours to see my maximum feeding rate? Is it with a gap in between to see whether I recover? I mean, all these weird things. And yet heart rate, you can get a number. And for some people, what's that mean? And for you, you're now used to using heart rate. So you said, oh, yeah, right. I'm at 135. Right, fine. That's good. That's a sound base. I can stay here. I don't need to push it any harder if I don't want to, but... It it's only a way of you getting an idea of, yeah, well, it was steady anyway, because I could feel it. Whereas I know people that sort of say, yeah, I only went up to X. And I know X is high, but it wasn't for very long. Like, but it was still harder than you needed to go. Yeah, yeah. That's not the point of that session. And, and, and I mean, we, we harp on about it as well. And, oh, no, and... you might harp. You yeah. might harp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you harp on about?
1: Well, about kind of... You've got to know you've got to know your onions. <laughs> I mean, you've got to know, your, know your do you know. You realise the last two minutes has just been just genius, genius. Yeah, <laughs> um, but people still. I still chat to guys that I've I've trained and raced, and they go, I "Don't really use a heart rate monitor." And you're like, "All oh, right, okay." Well, you know, how, how do you train? I just go out and do. Two hours, mm. all right. And how hard do you go? Well, if it's a hard session, I go hard, <laughs> and and if it's an easy session, then I, I go easy. And you're like, oh, right. Well, well what, what's your easy then? You know, do you go miles per hour or no? I just tick along, you know. And if it get a little bit heavy breathing, and and you just kind of go really, go, yeah. Well, have you tried heart rate monitors or yeah. power meters or anything like that? And they kind of go yeah, I tried it, but I just I didn't really take any notice mm. of it. And you are kind of like right, okay, well. Why don't you try a structure mm. to one mm. um, and then just see how it goes. And one guy that I, I'd, I'd, you know, I've done loads and loads of bike riding, he I mean, was just around and he went, it's like a light bulb being turned on. He said, now I know when I'm going for my easy rides that I'm going easy, mm. you know, and and it, and it tells me. And, you know, when I'm going hard, then sometimes I probably wasn't going as hard as I mm. as I should be. Um, and he said the difference now, when you go to to, to races, is massive. It's
0: yeah, huge. Yeah, but um, I think it's the it's the it's the ability for people to let go of their ego and let some of the control go over to what it's doing. Not not to ultimately tell you exactly what you've got to do, um, you know, in every aspect of your training and racing. But if it says you're going a bit harder than you are, don't ignore it because that means that then. You're one of these people that has a monitor, kind of knows zones, but just does anything anyway. Yeah. Whereas if you say it's easy, what does that mean? Um, Right, I go up to, let's say, 140. Right, well, don't do 20 minutes of that ride at 150. Yeah, but it was still easy. No, if you're meant to define that zone as easy, that's easy. Conversely, if it's an interval and you need to hit 165, then hit 165. And if you can't, was it because the bit you meant to do easy for two days leading up to it? Not easy. And I think the hard part with zones is that, People that sort of say, Oh, I kinda of gave up on it. No. What they didn't want is for something to hold them back on a day when they see somebody further up the road yeah. and they want to yeah, chase yeah, that yeah. one. And yeah. I you know, I, hands up, yeah, I find it hard sometimes to stay in basement. Yeah. You see somebody in the little mini mirror kind of coming up and you think kinda stay in zone and then not catch me or oh there's somebody further on will see it. And that's okay as long as you as long as you know when you are not doing what you're supposed to and go. Oh, okay, that was a little bit of a lapse. It's not to stop you from having fun training, but what's the fun bit about training? Getting fitter and being faster. Not the ego bits that happen randomly. Oh, yeah, I beat such and such up a hill. Was was that a, a race? No, no, no. It was just in training, and I had a better day than them. Oh, well, that's not really. That's not how to progress. You actually have to progress by having a logical build up of what you're doing, and then apply yourself at hard sessions as you should or hard races as you should but not just randomly say oh, i just felt really good that day so i hammered everyone oh really do you think that's how people train properly and that's the thing with heart rate or power or even a training program you have to let a certain amount of your randomness go and say i'm just going to do what yeah and that's why people get results that's what i've noticed all you're giving people is a sense of structure to say We could do that several ways, to be honest. You could run 40 minutes that day and do a two-hour bike, or you could do two one-hour runs and do a 40-minute bike. But if you do those things right, you'll still come out of that particular amount of time fitter. But if you do them all wrong, you won't. Yes. And all I'm doing is keeping you from doing yourself harm by going backwards and then going, yeah, but I just had to train harder because I wasn't getting better. And the funny thing, back to um, my friend who sort of approached me, he had tried the training... Very diligently, but it didn't work. And in that case, it wasn't that there wasn't a structure. It's just that fundamentally, the structure and the theory of training that that supposes works doesn't. And that's always the hard bit with people is to know, well, which which of these types of training do I pick? But the way I look at it is if it was structured and you stuck to it, you have a better idea of what you were putting in yeah yeah and if it didn't work you can then say well that didn't work so what was wrong with that type of training which is what he said to me so why didn't it work and I could explain to him well look this is what it was doing and yes you got this this effect for this amount of time but why it didn't work ultimately was because of this this and this and if and if I can't work out why it didn't work then it's not really much use. But if you can then say, well, I know that that type of training, be it percentages, heart rates, if you know that doesn't work, that's a great starting point because that means don't do that all over again. And and, And if you know why it didn't work, you can then immediately ditch the things within that that were potentially there was probably only certain aspects that he could put exactly the same amount of effort next time in slightly different ways, and he will get results. And that's the thing, is, is if, you, if you
1: went out and went, well, I kind of stuck to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, you had like a up to 140
1: heart rate day and you, you, had, you kind of went over it, but you, you didn't record it. or yeah. You said, oh, well, I know I went over it. And you, know, yeah. and, and you did that for every zone, for every training session. It's all over the place. Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't wander from the path, but no. If you stick to certain aspects of it where you, you can then go back and look at it and record it, yeah. and I can look at it and go, ah, right, yeah, maybe that's the point where it, it yeah. didn't go right. Or yeah. I got all my benefits from that, but it lasted for that amount of time yeah. because i have done all my hard stuff really early, really late, you know, short, or long hard stuff, I'm tired. You can pick the bones out of it and make it. Make an educated
0: yeah. adjustment. I, it's think. Always, I think it's always hard to know how you know, how effective training programmes are. It polishes genes. And for a lot of people, there's as much benefit in being, you know, perhaps a bit leaner, a bit more consistent with their health and certainly well fueled for their training sessions and for their races so that they can actually apply themselves properly. But it's not really that there's, you know, somebody's got this magic you know, interval um, block or regime that is absolutely going to give something that's never been done before. If it does give something, it gives somebody a structure that before they did intervals that were not actually that useful. They were sweat, they were toil, but they weren't useful enough to be precise. And that's what I think good training programs give. And what perhaps good coaches and good, good athletes can do is, is, Take the rubbish out, throw it away, and say, "Just don't bother with doing that. You're wasting your time." But do this, isn't this? Because these these are fine. Or you like to do that? How do we figure that in? Okay, you can do that, but don't do it this side of this one or this one. Because training, given that you do it, it's amazing that the results should show. Um, if you're doing the right type of training, results will give you a a good indication within you know weeks and months of where you're going. We spoke in the um, Previous Podcast to Aled, you know, 12 and a what, half hours, couldn't be bothered to train that winter. Then did another one, got a bit quicker through race experience. Then went into winter and really buckled down. And, you know, lo and behold, he, you know, rockets up to um, kind of rockets up to being what, second at ITU, sorry, fourth at ITU long course, second in Lanzarote Ironman age group, and all these things that you think, yeah, but. You can see that in his first one when he runs a really solid run off the bike and he's not really trained for it. You think that was already there. Yeah. What he hadn't done is been diligent for long enough and almost and, and quite rightly did one race, took the off season off, couldn't be bothered, got back into it, did another one. Oh, I might do a bit more now and built and built. So he almost did better by not doing himself in than if he just said, oh, yeah, I did the first one. But yeah, I really got on a training program a week later and I was really up for it next time round, I do not go any quicker mm. and I've actually had people say now I'm doing a lot more training particularly for Ironman I'm not any quicker and it's like because you're just doing too much and and you're not getting that it isn't just about train 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 it policies your genes and you cannot beyond a certain point do anything more than harm to yourself and then end up going yeah kind of I was pretty good at that point and then it just Went off the boil, despite putting more time and effort in. And I think that's just that's just an
1: athlete thing. In that you want, yeah, yeah. if you if you want better, you yeah. you have to put more in. That's that's your immediate reaction to it. But but good question. One more question. Go on. Um,
0: this is from. I don't know why you're asking me. You can knock yourself out. Thanks. I'm going to See you in a minute. Bye. <laughs> Kevin Murray, thank you for your question. It reads: um, sports I'm involved in are triathlon running. Average bike speed of twenty-five kph. Goal of thirty kph for a forty-kilometer triathlon. So he says, "Hi Joe, I'm winding down my season now. This came in uh, only a few days ago, actually. So it's middle of September. Um, I, will, I will, or will be, after my last standard uh, triathlon next Sunday. But I'm hoping you can pass on some advice in relation to improving my bike speed. While well, we're in the, uh, we're in the." Uh, the, the home of cycling. <laughs> uk for all your cycling needs. In
1: Broughton. In Branton,
0: yeah. Uh, so he says, at the moment, my 40k, so 25-mile bike average speed is approximately 25 kilometres an hour. Okay, this is in a triathlon, so you need to note that for uh, people that are just time triers. Um, my Ironman speed is approximately 23 kph, although it's kpm. Never known it as kpm. Maybe that's just a different abbreviation. You know, just,
1: just something I can put, just think wanted to Kilometers per minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm hoping to get some clear guidance on what I could slash should be doing to help improve this nearer to 30 kph over the 40 k um, distance. Maybe quite a big jump in speed, but that's the aim anyway. Smiley face as i have two young children i have a turbo set in my shed so I generally cycle through the week normally early mornings before they wake up about twice a week uh, with the longest ride at the weekend uh, for your information it's generally a long ride on a saturday and a long run on a sunday but if it would help to sacrifice the long run for another bike session that would be fine at the moment i feel like i start to slow down slash slash lose speed when i'm cycling up a long drag of a hill or into a headwind so i'm wondering if it's leg strength or endurance that I'm lacking, I'm not sure. However, I feel like I can sprint up shorter steep hills, okay? So this makes me think that it's my leg strength endurance that is the problem. Uh, if you have any tips or sessions that would give me something to focus on over the winter months, they would be uh, gratefully received. Many thanks and keep up the great shows. Kevin. So thank you, Kevin. Good, insightful look at what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of gains when you look at 25 kph speed you're talking i mean 21 is 13 miles an hour so you're you know you're talking close to sort of 15 miles an hour over um a 40k so i don't know what your mass is how aerodynamic you are but there's probably quite a lot to be gained from looking at the bike itself because it's different when somebody's travelling at, you know, let's say they're a very competitive age group athlete and they're getting close to 40k an hour in a triathlon, which, let's get this clear, for people that are time trialists, you can't do a time trial and then get off and run um, 10k fast. You can get off and complete it, so you could do your best 40k in the middle of an Olympic distance triathlon, but you wouldn't actually be competitive on the run to so be pointless to just show, look, I can go fast on the bike but go slow on the run. Whereas a traffic is trying to do all of these to the optimum. So you've always got to hold a bit in the bank. He's not riding to power, so we won't go down the route of talking percentages of that. However, I think there's probably gains in his position.
1: I was gonna say you'd br- almost break it down into yeah. two
0: two parts, h- h- hit, him. And the bike. And the bike. Yeah. So position of him on the bike yes. must be looked at because if you're trying to get another 5K um kph there's probably some positional things with people being slightly lower being better at holding that position um he's in a travel doesn't mean that he's necessarily riding tri bars he could still be on drop bars um in which case tri bars and the use of them over the winter would be a great way of getting more speed and more comfort on the bike um back to our um our sort of tyres thing. Good tyres can make a huge bit of difference for somebody. I thought we were going to wander into this. Subject. No, I'm not going to say any more than that. But just go back and previous yes. ones, Kevin, yeah, yeah. and look at that because that can be, um, you know, hundred quids worth of uh, of gain. And yes, we want to also look at him as a as a as a person riding a bike. But the bike may be where there's bits that you can say, well, I don't need to get any more. Um, uh, gizmos and the turbo is fine and it's set up there and I can use my bike I don't need to do too many gizmos but I could spend on tires I could get a new stem to get me a bit lower and I know I can hold that position and or oh, I can buy some second-hand aero bars and they'll be good so there's something to look at in terms of the speed and comparative to people you might know that do 30 kph what's their setup what do they look like if they look completely different on a bike then mirror what they're doing look at your equipment in training terms um, you kind of say, uh, you know, you slow down on incline. So we could be looking at a power to weight. You may be heavier and therefore not only at speed are you pushing more air out of the way so it's harder to ride over um, 25 kph. But also when you get to hills, your power to weight means it's a struggle. You may have the capability and the want to reduce weight a bit and that might be something you build. Um, you don't gain a lot of weight up to Christmas and say, oh, more to come off next year. You just sort of say, do I think I could be lighter next year? Oh, I'd love to be that. Right, set a goal. Don't be too harsh on yourself up to Christmas, but don't put too much on, but look to lose weight through the January, February, March, April. That may just make everything right up to the very last step of the run. Far easier to do because you're lighter. Um, But maybe you just need um, that, you know, that leg strength thing of using the turbo, not all the time, but occasionally lower revs on the turbo just to get your legs grinding a bit more then spin out for a minute nice and loose on the small chainring. then into a big chainring, and don't start it straight away don't suddenly do 30 of your 60 minute turbo sessions in a massive gear because your knees and everything will tell you about it but but think about how you get strong you you push a bigger gear under load but also as you get next year into the let's say certainly march april april may time and getting up to speed you look out for some intervals that motivate you could be on the turbo could be um could be actually even within your longer ride you you don't do quite so much long riding as such and you take a long ride and say I want to do some intervals in there so I get a bit of base but I've got some deliberate intervals in between and um maybe near to you you've got uh, some time trials that you can actually race yourself With no desire to try and think about running afterwards, but you just race yourself over, uh, what would it be, 16k or 10 miles, but you try and race at over 30kph, just go as fast as you possibly can. That then makes you better at feeling what extra you've got, nudges your um, ability to ride faster up by the fact you're moving on your bike so much quicker, so you're used to handling it, but also... I just think you you get used to what's in the bank. You just get used to that additional amount of pressure your legs can take. Not to use it in a triathlon, but to then find in a triathlon, your legs are working at an even smaller percentage. Because you can always go too hard in a triathlon and find that, lo and behold, you scratch your head as to why the the run went wrong. And people won't, particularly without a power meter or real honest approach to how they race, they won't often admit that they just went too hard on the bike. And we don't want him to go... 30k on the bike and say but i'm a lot worse as a triathlete because i just go too fast on the bike and that can be the real temptation
1: That's and, it, and you try triath- for your for your triathletes as well it's it's you want to improve on every aspect of of, yeah. of it yeah. but you concentrate on one the other one gets a little bit worse or or one doesn't improve and then you start to panic and it's it's so difficult um and that's why i kind of i envy the guys that that, that do uh, multi sports um you know even the long distance stuff, you know it must be so difficult to that balancing act mm. between. Too much, not enough, mm. uh, between being injured, mm. constantly tired,
0: you know. And one being right and one being off, off the boil yeah. And, yeah.
1: and and the consistency in any sport is the key, I think. Yeah. yeah. Really. So consistency in training, consistency in, in nutrition, consistency in in you know, the the recovery, getting everything right, mm. the, or consistently right. But with this one I think, yeah, if you if you are i mean uh, I, again kevin we don't don't really know but if you are relatively light then a, cu- a couple of decent sessions like you like joe's recommended with the big gear just getting getting the legs muscles firing getting used to it and you'll find after a couple of those you'll you'll get into hills and when it starts to go a little bit tough and you go you can just hold that gear maybe for a bit longer or shift up and and find that you're powering over the top of the climbs instead Mm. of Mm. being bogged Mm. down into Mm. the middle so i
0: think you know don't you're in september just about to go into the season don't think you're going to jump at it straight away and start doing big gears or intervals actually once you're back after rest and recovery i.e feeling like you need to as somebody said after just one week of, of, of being off training program having no program whatsoever said we don't want to do some training now like, yeah yeah, that's fine but we, we want to do it slowly um, I think you get back into it you do lots of base work on the turbo you ride your winter rides and just cruise don't, don't worry about what speed you're doing your base training at it, it, this is not the time to de- be developing speed but it's the time just to get the time in the bank and just sit on there and think this is good it's keeping me fit and I want to go back and do it next week then when you get into the kind of February time then you can start to really develop and there is a there is a an article actually I can send you about sort of developing in February you don't do it now because it's too early and you've got to look at um, almost recharging from the events that you've done and wanting to really do things perhaps a bit different. So you build your base, you then add slightly more structured um, uh, strength work on the bike, um, perhaps pick a few time trials, perhaps even pick some riding with other people to get used to riding quicker in and around other people. And I don't think five KPH with kit, training, and what perhaps general places of weakness you think you personally haven't written in here, but know that you could apply yourself to, actually you can find that because you're not at the point of you think blimey how much quicker can you get you think yes that might be quick for you but there's bound to be ways that you can do, you know get Improve. quicker and if you look at people that are riding quicker and you look at pros they're generally riding very good equipment they generally look you know lean if somewhat stocky sometimes they look lean and stocky um, and they're doing it through that magic word you said earlier consistency they're just building on whatever it is if you can take this year and um, the standard triathlon that you have finished on and sort of get motivated when you've done that but don't get motivated to go at it hammer and tong come uh, october just build nicely through the winter don't have to be doing amazing hours just some consistency with which you're probably doing i would say 60 to 75 percent of what you expect to be doing at your peak next maybe march april time so you're not trying to do as much as possible now because you can't really bank it you're better to be on tick over and then you progress through february march and april but good question and brilliant we'll have to hear what he has coming back to us maybe in you know three four months time midwinter and see how he's going that's a deal okay so thank you once again for um all of your uh input your your questions and so forth um i'll bring out the uh i've got some swimming research for next month something a bit different got some good uh insight stuff on uh again sportives and we can perhaps uh, uh finalize some um some updates from crystal on the tts yeah. and got another interesting person to interview in about a month's time as well just you know and another person out there that i just think is going to give just really good content because You and me, you know, we've gone over these questions a million times and some people have completely different insights, which you don't always think of or you don't think when you're starting the conversation with them. You haven't got this idea of, well, let's make sure we ask this and this, you know, with Crystal last episode, we're talking about, you know, rice pudding and um, her her sort of... uh, uh, I think she said it actually after the podcast. She said about the comfort in the twelve hour and the skin suit she used and stuff like that. I think you don't always know that that's going to be the answers that people give you, but there's always little gems in there that somebody's going to pick up on and go, "Oh, if I do a twelve hour, I must make sure I've got that really comfortable suit that I've already tested, and and it might not be you know the one that I think is the you know is the nicest looking or the fastest, but it's comfortable and therefore I can ride the whole day."
1: And like I said, it's a different person to give you an insight into a different aspect of yeah, of, yeah. Of, of the sports um, that, we, that we all do, whether it be running, swimming, riding, triathlon, you know. So, yeah, but it's nice. she was interesting. funny enough, me um, fettling in the background listening to her uh, chat away was uh, was quite good, actually, Yeah, can yeah. you just say
0: fettling with your bike in the background? Fettling with my bike. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. So we appreciate your reviews at iTunes, so thank you for those, and uh thank you for definitely downloading because on the searches at itunes are coming out um near the top in the popularity so it must be downloading which is really good give us your questions for next time please via uh coachdobeer.com and also through the twitter feed at coachdobeer or the facebook.com slash coachdobeer thank you for listening um thank you again for your input anytime it's brilliant and again we're in the the hallowed grounds of uh of the empire of Racing.co.uk sat here with our um our sound engineer just floating around in the background in case there's any troubles it's just um yeah this is working nicely we've got great acoustics people can hear it sometimes they can hear fettling in the background with the um with the podcast with Alid last time, you could hear there's some stuff in the background. Oh, look at that. Look, right on tune. You get, the back, you get the wheel in the background.
1: If you could stick the tyres on, that'd be
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah you can stick the tyres on because that bike's not going anywhere quickly. So thank you. Remember, train smart. And have fun. Thank you, Martin.